The views and opinions expressed by the guests on the following program do not necessarily represent those of Mark Radio, The Shepherd, or its advertisers. From the studios of The Shepherd Radio Network, it's Afternoons with Mike. This next hour is all about our walk with Jesus with local pastors, newsmakers, people who are making a difference for the gospel. Now, here is your host, Mike Gilland. Hey there, everybody. It is that time again. This is Afternoons with Mike, and I have with me in the studio today as my guest, Nina Yan. Nina, is uh, she's been with me several times. It is so great to have you back, Nina. Thank you so much for having me back again. It's wonderful to be here always. Oh, my goodness. I can't believe that uh, when I think back to my wife and uh, uh, my move back, when we made the move back to Orlando in 19, it was just a few months after we, actually one month after we bought our house, that I was introduced to you uh, through our mutual friend of Charlotte McDonald. Wow, has it been that long? It has been that long. So uh, it is just crazy to think about 19, so uh, two and a half years. Absolutely. Now, this two and a half years because of COVID seems like 10 years to me. <laughs> uh, do you find that to be the case? I actually find my days are all blurring together in my weeks because of this ongoing pandemic, and it's just... It's repeating itself week after week, month after month. And I know that we are all praying that the pandemic would be completely gone and it's no longer part of our everyday life. But we'll just have to continue to pray. Now, a lot of areas that I've seen would would almost be back to normal. So where you are and uh, and the, the situations you deal with, are you still facing it similarly to what it was a year ago? Um, the demand today in comparison to a year ago is it's not quite as high but it's equally consistent and right now it's tax season i don't know if um, a lot of our clients are aware of the benefits that the government has for them so we help them apply for their uh, income tax um, assistance from the federal government and so right now our clients, a lot of our clients are getting their tax refund. So usually April, May is a little bit slower than June, July in the summer. It picks back up again. So our work is is very steady with a little bit of cyclical um, cycle depending mm-hmm. on their funding source and so forth. And a year ago, we had more funding coming from the government, their COVID cares type of money. So we were able to help more families. And so the work that we do day in and day out, unfortunately, depends heavily on the funding. So the more funding we have, the more families we're able to help. And this year, most of those COVID money have gone away and or completely stopped. So... And I've heard, I don't know how much this is uh, accurate or not, but even the testing for COVID has uh, kind of diminished in a lot of areas and no longer is the government assisting with the, the testing process or the cost of testing. So people who need to get that test for their business or whatever are really going to be facing that on their own and maybe with their own insurance or if not just paying the money out of their own wallet. No, you're 100% correct, Mike. In, in fact, this happened to my husband and I. We were tra- we were getting ready to travel, and um, my husband made an appointment where it says free COVID testing. No pharmacy named, but 
when he was done later on, he got a bill from his insurance, thinking that it was free, but his insurance no longer covered it no as longer. it did two years ago. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. That's what I've heard. So that is, uh, I don't think it's been talked about a whole lot. I don't think a lot of people are aware that that scenario has changed. But then the other side of that is, is that the government actually, under the Biden administration, actually made a comment not too uh, long ago that functionally we're out of pandemic state right now. And so that, uh, that is a way of, I guess, backdooring that we're not going to pay for any of this anymore. The government's not going to be. So, I, you know, and yet we we all know that the the impact of that is still lingering. And I would love to see that day be completely gone. Well, you know, the administration uh, need to come and visit the sharing center on Monday morning at 730 and see the line of clients in need. So the demand- in need for COVID issues. In need just in general, whether it's for food insecurity, whether it's mm-hmm. for financial assistance, or a very basic need of taking a shower, getting a haircut, having someone do their laundry. Oh, I don't think they were saying that we're out of the <laughs> out, out of that scenario, but uh, just out of the pandemic. But it, yeah, the pandemic definitely made things worse in all of those departments. And I know that you guys, um, when I had that interview with you, or that. Not not an interview that day. It was really a walkthrough tour that you gave us of this marvelous uh, facility that you've taken over. It's kind of a storefront, kind of an outdoor shopping area mm-hmm. that I, I, I don't know the history of that area, what used to be in there, what the stores would have been at one point. But to my great surprise, when I pulled in, all of these stores, all storefronts are all related aspects of the sharing center. And that caught me by surprise. I've never seen anything quite like what you're doing. So you have a, a thrift market there. You have a a, a feeding area, a just a gigantic um, food pantry type thing that that you serve people. But then the unusual and maybe unique, I think it's not wrong to say, unique ministry outreaches that you offered, a, a place where people that were without a job where the homeless could come and get a shower. Absolutely. Get medical care, get advice for jobs and maybe have their resume bolstered up and, and know how to present themselves in an application, those kinds of services. And, and, and I believe even to some degree, some legal and, and official type of uh, counseling as well, right? Mike, you have great memory. So yes, we have a lot of the services we, the Sharing Center, offer. And those services that we do not offer, we uh, collaborate with other nonprofit agencies. So an example that you just gave was legal uh, services. We don't have our own on-site lawyer, but through partnership with Seminole County Legal Aid Society, they were able, pre-COVID, they placed one of their lawyer on our campus on a regular basis so that our tenant, our clients that need either you know, tenant or sort of legal advice on landlord-tenant disputes and so forth can have access to a lawyer for free. So we like to make, and we are on uh, very close to building the whole entire sharing center plaza into a non-human uh, service hub in Seminole County. So when I first started in 2019, we had eight tenants that we were renting out space 
now we only have three and it's mainly because we keep on adding and launching new program or expanding existing services so we need more space and right now we only have two restaurants left and uh, Shepherd's Hope which is a, a nonprofit that provides free medical care for the uninsured population mm-hmm. so I can see one day the whole entire plaza just filled with all human service agencies now that has got to be for you. I know you've had a heart for these nonprofits, and you've worked in other uh, areas. But uh, your passion for what you did that day not only came through in your description, but I got to see this, and this was a wonderful thing. It's so evident to see that when other people that you would introduce to Charlotte and to me uh, that were working there, that they actually shared your joy and your enthusiasm, and. It's it's very clear that they all appreciated the wisdom and the direction that they're getting from you. So the day that the Sharing Center board found you, Nina, that was a good day. And they've all got to be very excited about that. Thank you, Mike. And I'm truly blessed to lead an amazing team. Um, when I first started 2019, we had 30-something employees. And as of this week, we're probably a little bit over 50 and so our agency almost doubled almost double in in 3 years and it is so needed because as we continue to grow so for example next month in june we are grand reopening the homeless department oasis so we're going from 3 shower stalls to 6 beautiful ADA compliant shower rooms so our um clients that are on wheel wheelchair or walkers can roll right in into their shower and um, we're also adding more washer and dryer so that we can do more of our homeless clients' laundry so we can provide more services, adding a haircutting station that's going to be well-lit and beautiful. And so we're just so excited about the grand reopening of the Oasis because it's one of its kind in Seminole County, Mike, and no place else in Seminole County can a homeless person come have a hot breakfast take a hot shower while um, their laundry is being done by our volunteers, washing, drying, and folding. And the new Oasis will also have a classroom. So we're getting ready to launch our job training program as well. So it's going to be a beautiful space, providing more office space for other nonprofit partners to come on site. And I think that is just the scope that makes it so uniquely different and exciting to talk about when you think, it's wonderful to have any one of those things, any one of those services that you've mentioned covered by, let's say, a food pantry or a church ministry or or a, a nonprofit that's gone in and trying to take one of those aspects. We would be excited about that. We would think that's great. But you guys are doing all of those things in a one-stop shop right there on 1792, just north of Winter Springs, north of 434. It's right there, and people can go and drop off things. And I know that. Now, going back for a moment to COVID, uh, there's so many things. My brain is kind of exploding because uh, it's been a while since you and I've had a chance to sit and talk. But uh, prior to COVID, you guys had this booming and active uh, thrift store that was really an amazing part of of the uh, funding, if you will, of of uh, the rest of the services that are going on. But then the thrift, I mean, the pandemic happened and the thrift store was really affected by that, right? Absolutely. So pre-pandemic in 2019, our three retail stores, furniture, boutique, and thrift, 
was probably generating between eight and nine hundred thousand dollars for our ministry. Then in 2020, when COVID hit, everything shut down and went to zero dollars for our ministry. <laughs> yes. And 2021, we saw a. a the business coming back and shoppers coming back and volunteers coming back. That's very important because all of the sorting and pricing and everything is done by our volunteer team. And then in 2022, we are just so fortunate. Um, we're looking at possibly having the retail department generating a little bit over a million dollars for our ministry. So and, that part of it is back up to where kind of the same area. And a little bit higher. And a little higher. Yes. Wow, that's so, exciting. Thanks to the community dropping off their valuable secondhand, gently used clothing or accessories or furniture because 100% of everything that is being sold is being donated by our community. And, you know, that's that's one of the benefits that happened to my wife and me when I took that tour with you. Prior to that, we were living in an area where when we wanted to get rid of these gently used things, we'd have a garage sale Mm -hmm. or a yard sale. And rather than do that now, we've just been making donations and dropping off stuff. It's so easy to do. You load it up. My wife did that just uh, last month. And she and my daughter brought a bunch of things over to the sharing center. Thank you, Mike. Oh, absolutely. We, We do that. And we've got another we're going through right now doing some of the same and we'll have another load for you real soon so people can do that and it really is uh, you know it, it may not be needed by you but if it's gently used clothing or like you said accessories around the house uh appliances that are really needed by people mm-hmm. uh, if this is going not only to a good cause but it is going to a good cause that is feeding people who really need that kind of an item or clothing or whatever, and they just don't have the ability to go and get it at retail price. And most people don't even know this, but if you live within 12-mile radius, which is basically all Seminole County and some of Maitland and Winter Park, we will come out and pick up your furniture donation for free. Wow. And a lot of people don't know that. And, you know, I, I... I'm a numbers person as well as love hearing our client success stories. But I look at the number of cards of donation. And since the beginning of the year, calendar year in January, the number of cards of donation that comes in on a weekly basis is on the rise. And people are cleaning their closets and, and making donations. And, you know, the only thing I just try to ask the listeners is imagine if you live in a 800 square foot your whole entire household lives in this small apartment. What would not fit into that apartment? King size bed probably won't fit into an apartment. Um, a giant armoire or an mm-hmm. entertainment case that probably won't fit into that apartment or a giant L-sectional uh, sofa. So anything that won't fit into the home of most of our clients that we serve, those are probably just the items that we will not pick up. But anything else, linens and and household goods and appliances, food, small end table appliances, all that stuff, we take pretty much everything and anything short of the kitchen sink. Mm -hmm. Now, one thing before we take a break that that we have talked about a couple of times before, and I think this dates back even to the very beginning, you were anticipating back then a big date in your own life, your own personal (laughs) life. uh, And that date, for different reasons, kept getting pushed off and uh, delayed, but we're happy to say that your engagement happened, and now you are you got married a year ago, and you're getting ready 
to celebrate your one-year anniversary, right? Yes. We, Chip Waterman is my husband's name. We were engaged to be married, um, I think, March of 2020, right yeah, when COVID hit. I think so, hit. yeah. Then we had to cancel our wedding and our honeymoon cruise. Then it got postponed to end of 2020, then 2021. And then the summer of 2021, we just finally decided we're we're going to elope. We flew to Mexico, <laughs> flew his best friend and my best friend in, got married on the beach, and that was it. And we came back and had a couple of receptions. But we're happily married. He is a wonderful man. Doing this work, um, there's a lot of late nights and weekend events, and uh, Chip has been wonderfully supportive. He's he, he he's being voluntold a lot to show up at events <laughs> and come help me with this project, honey. That sort of thing. He's a wonderful man. I had a chance to meet him at the event, the Sharing Center Banquet, the gala that you put on, which was a blast. Going back to the 80s, you brought in this amazing 80s cover band. They were fantastic. They sure were. They, they were amazing. And um, the gala, the second year, is coming soon, August 20th. Wow. That's nuts. What's what's this? Come. Yeah. What is this one going to be like? Steampunk. Steampunk? So sort of the 20s meeting the industrial age. Think okay. Think of Amelia Earhart or think of Top Hat or a pocket watch. I thought for a moment you were thinking of punk rock. And no, 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 no. I thought, no. oh my gosh, I'm in trouble because I don't have enough hair to pull that one off now. <laughs> I'll send you some links. My special events team, they're so talented. They've even created a link of different costumes for both gentlemen and ladies. And so we've been sending that out to our sponsors so that they can take a look at what the costume could potentially look like. Well, this is exciting, and I know it's going to be a lot of fun, and yes, we want to be there. And we've got a, a big event coming up for you, a big uh, a event for the Sharing Center. We'll talk about that in the next segment. My guest today, Nina Yan from the Sharing Center, is here, and we'll be back with her in a moment. You're on The Shepherd, and this is Afternoons with Mike. Nina Yan is here with us today. Nina is with the Sharing Center. She is the director of this wonderful ministry, this outreach. It does so many wonderful things. It is a humanitarian. It is a ministry. They offer what homeless people cannot get anywhere else, really, truly, uh, and certainly not as conveniently because it's all in one big area. Associated Ministries, or partners to their ministry, all in this one area. And it's up on 1792, just north of the Winter Springs uh, intersection of 1792 and 434. And uh, it would be on the west side of the road as you're traveling north on 1792. And you can't help but see it. It's a big, big sign up there. The Sharing Center is right there. And you guys are getting ready to celebrate a grand reopening of this thing that called the Oasis, right? Yes, Mike. So Oasis was built back in 2011 with the help of Holy Cross Lutheran Church from Lake Mary. So their team did the fundraising and built out and assisted us open this homeless department, uh, resource center for the homeless. So that department has been in operation now for 11 years. It's a little bit dated, but the primary reason that the board decided it is time to devote our resources to expanding the oasis is because 
dignity is one of the the very backbone of all the services that we when we design new services or old services what have you but we want to provide these services to our clients in a very dignified way and we decided having to ask someone to wait one hour to take a shower is it's very opposite of dignify and so it was time to expand the facility to provide quicker service and better service and a nicer environment so we went into a, a mini capital campaign last year and was very blessed by our community coming together very philanthropically donating all the funds so we can build the expansion of oasis um, without going into debt and so the new oasis on june 29th uh, ribbon cutting at 10 a.m we're going to have uh, instead of three shower stalls that currently will have six all ada compliant shower we're adding more washer and dryer a, a classroom for job training program and case management offices for our partners and a very exciting new service that we recently launched is in partnership with Identity of Seminole County, we now um, have the ability to provide uh, ID card services. So unfortunately, our homeless clients, some are without IDs, or if you were recently released you, you know, from incarceration, you don't have ID cards, now they can come to the sharing center and get your birth certificate or driver's license or state ID card, and it's right there at the sharing center. Oh, that's got to be so nice yes. for them. And, and you know, you're right. I, I think that there is a great amount of our populace that would not know the ins and outs of what a lot of these people are. And I think, you know, it's, it's very easy to have everything kind of in a box in our mind we don't really think we kind of group everybody that's mm -hmm. not like us into that box. But the truth of it is a lot of the people that you serve, they, they come from radically different experiences. Uh, they are sometimes homeless because they've just lost their job or some of them may be underemployed mm -hmm. and they just don't have the ability. They're, uh, they're insecure. That's the, f the food insecure. Mm -hmm. You mentioned that earlier. Uh, so it's not just like every one of them uh, have that they've chosen this pathway or this way of life or a lifestyle. It's not like they're wanting just to be uh, on the street. They're not. They're, a lot of them are finding they, they don't have another way. And some of the very basics that we take for granted are, are like an ID. Mm -hmm. That's something that is so important. But if they don't have any way to get them and they have their job, they don't have a job. They don't have a, a, a an address, for crying out loud. They don't have a home address. So th that's something that you guys help people with as well, right? Absolutely, Mike. So in our society, unfortunately, without an ID card, you can't open a bank account. You cannot apply for a job. You cannot file your tax return. And without an address, you cannot do any of those either. And so... Essentially, most of our uh, clients, homeless clients that are on disability or Social Security, we become their post office. So all of their mail and their monthly check comes to the sharing center and we sort and distribute to our clients for them in the Oasis. And then there's a separate department to help those that are housed, but just simply not earning enough money at the end of the month to make ends meet. And it sometimes become a choice for a single mother do I use my last 
few dollars to pay electric bill or do I put food on the table for my child? And so our philosophy is if we can help you put food on the table through our pantry service, then maybe you can pay that electric bill or the, the Wi-Fi bill so your daughter or son can do their homework and submit it through uh, the Wi-Fi. Or if you're in an unfortunate situation where you're just really strapped and you, you can't even make your rent, you can also come to the sharing center. We'll help you with rent and emergency medical bill, emergency car repair. And so we're, we're very fortunate because our ministry is supported by predominantly all philanthropic individuals and families, as well as our retail store. So we have more flexibility in deciding which family or which service we want to provide to our families in need. So we're mm. very blessed that way. That's really wonderful. And that kind of service is not even one that we elicited earlier, uh, the post office aspect. Uh, mm-hmm. That is such a very helpful thing. You know, there's something I'd like, Nina, if you would, and address this to us all, because I know that this is something that you had to either, A, have this developed in front of you where you saw it, uh, the heart for compassion that God has given you, and the way that you're able to look at those that are in need. Because, you know, sometimes we, the rest of us, will come in contact with the homeless people maybe once a day when we're on our way home and we pass by and somebody's got the that cardboard sign mm-hmm. and they're holding it up. But you deal with this, like you said earlier, from the time that you arrive early in the morning and you get there before 8 a.m., you get there and you've got a line of these folks, these dear people mm-hmm. that are lined up waiting and needing, and they're pretty much with you all day long. So can you address uh, what happened to you or how it was that you got a heart of compassion? Gosh, Mike, you're going way back now at more than 10 years. So my undergrad was in hospitality. So I worked for hotel companies as my first career, had a very successful sales and marketing uh, career with hotel companies. And when I um, came back, I think around 2000 from working in in Hawaii, China, and Taiwan, um, I went into hospitality once again. But it was really when I got really involved with my church and also when I was business develop, doing business development for Florida Hospital back then, now Avon Health, um, I had an opportunity to visit a lot of different developing countries and do mission work. And I kept on feeling after at the end of the week and flying back to Orlando, I was not familiar enough with maybe the culture or the food or the language, and I wanted to stay. And the more mission work I did, the more I wanted to stay in that country. And um, it got to a point that I was really obsessed about doing mission work. And so I sat down with my pastor. Um, I, back then, I was a member of St. Luke's United Methodist Church in Windermere. And Pastor Bill Barnes uh, shared with me that I was being called to serve in the mission field. And from there, basically, I, I with the intent of going to Guatemala and serve in mission for one year, it turned into a second year, turned into a third year led to pursuing my master's in nonprofit management. And that's how my nonprofit career got started, was just through doing mission work and the heart to serve. It's, it's just so much more fulfilling to serve and give back 
than it is to climb the corporate ladder, in my opinion. And I, you know, I had to make some lifestyle adjustments when I got into the nonprofit sector, but it is so much more fulfilling. And one of my favorite mantra or Bible verse, um, James chapter two, I believe, I forgot what verse, but it talks about faith without work mm -hmm. is dead. You, you have to put your faith to work. And I see that day in and day out from 8.30 in the morning at Sharing Center. I see volunteers coming in in all different departments, and then they leave at 5 o'clock. And this is an army of non-pay volunteers that are helping us serve our community. And you look at this, this robust group of volunteers, their heart is all about putting their faith to work, right? Day in and day out, whether they're passing out food bags or whether they're assisting someone at the Oasis checking in or whether they're just serving a hot breakfast to one of the homeless clients, it's all done by volunteers. I have retired engineers from Lockheed Martin doing um, appliance repair at our distribution center. And I saw that. I have retired, you know, really high-level executives doing homeless people's laundry every Monday morning. And he's more, he's there at the Oasis. Um, if Steven, you're listening, shout out to you. He's there doing laundry for our homeless clients every Monday morning. And, you know, I work with an amazing, not only just the team members, but a really great and, and, and just awesome, loyal, compassionate volunteers. Well, thank you for sharing all of that. I knew there had to be a compelling story behind it. As long as I've known you in these last two and a half years, I, I've not heard the depth of that. But that really makes sense. And one of the things, and I'm going to toot a horn for you that you would never uh, handle on your own, and that is... Uh, the fact that you are qualified to do any of those corporate ladder climbings, you're quite qualified to lead any major organization or corporation. But the fact that God really touched your heart through mission work and gave you a heart for people, mm -hmm. that that explains now a whole lot to me. And that's the, the part of the equation that, about you that I didn't know. So that's very helpful. Thank you for sharing that. I know that uh, this this is a big day that's coming up in just about a month from now, uh, the 29th, I think you said, of June. The, the Oasis will functionally double in size and will help people at a much higher rate, a much higher quality. Even the uh, hardware, if you will, the, the washing, drying system, all of that's got to be taken into consideration. And to keep all of this going, you mentioned volunteers. Uh, it takes not only just people who are willing, but also sometimes in some of these areas, specialized volunteers, mm -hmm. people who are maybe plumbers or electricians or maybe engineers can all uh, take part in giving of themselves, even if it's a couple of hours a week. It makes a big difference, right? Absolutely. And we have people that like routine work. And so all they do is sort books all day. We like we have women that like to look up pricing. So they help us with looking up different products or clothing and how to price accordingly. So we keep all of our pricing very, very um, nominal and very reasonable to make sure that our clientele can afford to shop at our uh, shops. But we get some of the just the most amazing volunteers. 
during the peak of COVID, when we had lost all of our volunteers, we had one lady lady left at the pantry. Her name's Marsha, and she comes five days a week to help us organize food bags, regardless of what was happening in the world with the pandemic. She was there religiously five days a week through the whole entire pandemic. That's how amazing our volunteers are. Yeah, that's amazing. And that this is more than just doing community work for them. This is like what happened to you when your pastor helped you discern that this is beyond just really wanting to make a difference in a small way. This is like a calling that one has to help people. And that's what I saw when I was there. I mean, these people are there because A, they want to be, B, they are are just really fulfilled in what they do and how they do it. And it's, it's really great. So even the guys, I've found this to be true when I've been in the line dropping off stuff that Cindy and I have donated. I, I find the people are joyful, mm-hmm. helpful, smiling, wa- ready to get into a conversation. I mean, that's the fun of, of pulling into the sharing center. And I encourage people, I encourage our listeners Uh, Make a donation because this organization is doing it. Uh, Talk just for a moment before we take a break, and then we'll be back for one more segment. But talk a little bit about this fun thing that happened last August. You had this big gala, and I was able to be there. Uh, It was uh, like a trip to the 80s, you said, Uh, and and that's what we did. So I went out, Cindy and I went out, and we went to uh, uh, kind of shopping around to try to find some 80s era clothes. We found them. (laughs) They're still hanging in my uh, closet right now. Well, and we got dressed up like the '80s, and Cindy fixed her hair up, and I I looked at my hair and thought, oh, never mind. <laughs> and so we came to the party, but that night was so much fun. But the thing that I want you to talk about is the the level of the community and the businesses in the community, the way they got involved that night, and it ended up being more than just a few thousand dollars that was raised for the sharing center. Absolutely. And Mike, prior to last year's gala in August, we have never done a, a gala, mainly because it's it's complicated, it's expensive. But last year was our 35-year anniversary, so we want to celebrate with the community. So we did a 35-year anniversary gala. And beyond our budget and our surprise that the community really rallied together you know anything everybody from Seminole County Sheriff's Office or Seminole State College and all of the corporate sponsors that we had everybody just really rallied together our board members were amazing um, almost every board member participated in some form shape and or don- donated baskets and so forth and I don't remember the exact budget. It was maybe budgeted a little bit over $100,000 that we were supposed to raise. And we ended up almost tripling that amount. I remember. And it was shocking to watch it. We're sitting there with our mouths open at at, uh, the end of the evening when what you knew, or at least what it appeared to have been totaled. And it's like that drum roll, please moment where you're going to hear what was raised, and it was close to $300,000. Actually, it was a little over. A little over, yeah. Mm-hmm. So oh. we're hoping for the same success this year. Um, it's still three months away. Yeah, three months away a little bit. 
and we are almost sold out. We're more than 50% sold out of our sponsorship tables. So so great. We're totally anticipating by the end of June, beginning of July, we'll sell out again. Oh, that's going to be great. Well, I'm talking to Nina Yan today from the Sharing Center. I'll be back with Nina in a moment for one more segment. This is Afternoons with Mike right here on The Shepherd. Final segment right now with Nina Yan, who is from the Sharing Center. And that is up in the Seminole County area of Winter Springs, just north of 434 and the intersection of 1792. This massive uh, property it was a was kind of a storefront uh, mall, if you will, an outdoor mall that they've taken over. And they've uh, taken this thing over for years now. And it's been growing. It's amazing. We've talked about already in this uh, previous segment about the expansion in the oasis that's coming up and then the grand reopening of that is coming up at the end of june june 29th and uh, that is going to be a big day and uh, nina's already filled in on some of the expansion items but it will basically double the capacity on just about everything that they do inside the oasis and Nina, it is always a joy to talk with you. And we've talked a little bit about the, the role of volunteers, the joy that we see on the volunteers. I know this is something, as you mentioned, it's impossible to do what you do without volunteers. So if people are listening and they'd say, hey, I would like, what do I need to know to be a volunteer? What would you tell them? Since the pandemic, we've actually made it really easy for our volunteers, new or old, to be engaged with our work that we do. And so if anyone that wants to volunteer starting at the age of five or older, um, if you're under 15, we ask that you bring your parents and not just drop the kids <laughs> off. But um, you just go on our website, thesharingcenter.org, and click on volunteer. It literally takes about 30 seconds to fill out the application, watch a short video, and then you can start signing up for shifts. And so Monday through Saturday, you can volunteer anytime between 9 a.m. and 5 p.m. And I have a lot of great stories of our volunteers that appeal to the listeners' hearts. And for those out there that are mathematically inclined or business-oriented, from our volunteer hours last year, which was a little bit over, I want to say, 56,000 hours, we saved over $1.3 million of salary expense, payroll expense, because all these jobs are performed by our volunteer team. So that's that much less money that we either don't have to raise, or if we do raise it, it goes towards our families because we don't have to spend it on salary. Mm -hmm. So volunteerism is absolutely the backbone of the work that we do. We There's no way we can do the work that we do without our volunteer team. And imagine if we go from our current three shower and four washer and dryer to six showers and six washer and dryer, instead of having one person doing laundry every morning, we're going to need two volunteers doing laundry. Instead of one person um, cleaning the showers, now we're going to need two volunteers every day, Monday through Friday, cleaning showers after each client's use. So our Oasis volunteer team has to go from three a day to now six a day. Mm-hmm. So everything doubles, including uh, including volunteers, the volunteers. Exactly, we got to have it, and so that's how you can do it. TheSharingCenter.org, org, TheSharingCenter.org, 
and you can become a volunteer. And this is really, really neat. Now, I, I know that uh, there's a capital uh, campaign that's that, that you're looking at right now. And uh, tell us a little bit about that. So, Mike, thank you. After our Oasis uh, grand reopens the end of June, the next big project is expanding our retail department. While that's going on, um, we were recently blessed with a generous donor that donated 2.8 acres of land in Seminole County to the Sharing Center. So we are in the planning phase of building 40 units of attainable housing meaning that it is going to be affordable for our clients, our Project Rise students that are unemployed or underemployed, and we're going to keep the rent very, very reasonable. So from, and this status is probably a few years old, but from uh, my last agency, the affordable housing market in Central Florida, not just in Seminole County, but in Central Florida pre-COVID, was for every 100 unit of affordable housing that is needed by our community and our families, only 13 units are available. So pre-COVID, there was an 87% shortage in affordable housing. Post-pandemic, I'm pretty sure that percentage is going to be a lot higher Mm -hmm. than than, um, pre-pandemic. And so we find ourselves in in situations where we have the funds, we want to help our families get into housing, but in Seminole County right now, the average for even a one bedroom is between fourteen to sixteen hundred dollars. Most of our families cannot afford that. You're looking at two or three bedrooms get to about eighteen to eighteen hundred to two thousand dollars. Again, our population that we serve cannot afford that. So our goal is to launch into a, a capital campaign of some sort by next year in twenty twenty three start moving dirt around with the hope of building the 40 units of affordable housing by 2024 right here in Seminole County in Sanford. Wow. Now, where is that uh, property located? Gosh, um, I am very directional challenged, Mike. But if you come out of the sharing center on 1792 and make a left, which means going north. north, Mm -hmm. That's good. The next major intersection is Ronald Reagan. And on Ronald Reagan, you make a right, which is... Yeah, four twenty. Yeah, that would be going east. East, okay. You're doing it. East on Ronald Reagan, and go down about two and a half miles on your left hand side. Yeah. So right now it's a big wooded area um, next to a a trailer park, and so we're looking to develop that piece of land. That sounds like a real nice gift that was given to the sharing center. Uh, We're we're just so blessed with so many awesome families, Um, and and this came about just real quick story. It was around. December of last year, and it was one of our major donor. And I invited this lovely uh, couple to lunch to talk about our OSS expansion of all things, right? And in that luncheon, I was just kind of ranting and raving a little bit of because of my pure frustration. I met with Longwood city officials and Sanford city officials and Seminole County officials, and no one would give the sharing center a piece of land to build affordable housing. So this donor says, I have land to gift. Let's talk about, you know, building affordable housing together. And ah. that's how the conversation started over a luncheon. Oh, my word. Yes. Yeah. And just out of the blue, you have two and a half acres. That's beautiful. And this will be a beautiful thing for those families who are in such great need. And to have it as a goal in 2024, that's a 
that's an aggressive goal. Yes, it is. Yeah. Yes, it is. So we pray for that. So that's yet another way that if you'd like to give our, our businesses, if you'd like to donate in any capacity at all, again, that website is thesharingcenter.org, thesharingcenter.org. And uh, I know Nina and all of the team will be more than happy to receive any donations uh, that you can make or people, volunteers, tell, spread the word. This is a big deal. And yet now another another opportunity that we'll be hearing more about uh, in the days to come. Now, I know that we've talked a lot about the needs that both your residents are the the residents that you serve, the residents of Seminole County, you serve these people, your clients. What would be beyond what we've already talked about? What is the greatest need today at the Sharing Center? So we have in the previous segment talked about the need for volunteers. That's always in the three years plus that I've been at the Sharing Center has always been the greatest need. Um, We continue to pray for more volunteers to come on a consistent basis. We love groups, but at the end of the day, we would like someone that is committed to a three-hour shift week after week after week. So our regular corporate volunteers are awesome, but day in, day out, weekly repeating volunteers, that's our greatest need. Um, The second greatest need because of the pandemic, and we did some random sampling of surveys of our clients. So we... Prior to today, we were partnering with a third party. We do the fundraising, and then we pay the third party to come in and offer the mental health counseling sessions for free for our clients. Well, over the pandemic, we saw a surge by 28%. So literally, we were paying for 28% more mental health counseling sessions because people were literally between the social isolation because of the fear or the loss of jobs or the financial stress, people were really, really needing that mental health counseling piece. And so we've decided um, this year we'll start fundraising to hire a full-time licensed mental health counseling with a goal by the end of this year, we will offer that uh, service full-time on our campus. And that is something that, again, people are learning about. They hear the term mental health and uh, mental health counseling. And I think there's, uh, we've talked about this on my program, also with John Crossman uh, on his program. We see that that society is catching up to the terms, what is actually meant. Uh, it does not, and it is not equal to mental illness counseling or whatever. It's just that uh, one's, uh, a, a person can be deeply depressed because of the pandemic. Uh, you mentioned job loss. Almost everyone knows either someone in their family or someone close to them that was furloughed or maybe laid off completely because of just difficulties in our our culture today. And this presents problems for people to be able to deal with it on a day-to-day basis. So that's why this is such a big need in the community today. Absolutely, Mike. And I've been doing a lot of reading um, specifically on how mental health and homelessness and how they're related And unfortunately, historically, there's just been really a big stigmatism attached to the term mental health. And it's really, it's really rewarding or or eye-opening for me. When I was reading all about mental health and homelessness, it 
just affirms everything that I've been witnessing basically at the sharing center is that the homeless population or the families that are struggling with food insecurity or financial insecurity, they're more prone to have these stress level really ramped up and hence needing um, mental health counseling. But the stigmatism, I think because of more and more people are talking about it, more corporations are uh, aware of what's happening. Even at the sharing center, we've recently, I think the last two years or a year and a half, we added employee assistance program because how can how can I expect my team members and my case managers to care for those in need if we're not taking care of our own team members, right? So now they have free access to mental health counseling mm. for my own team because they need to be in a good mindset in order to deliver these services to our families in need. And so I think as we talk more openly about mental health and the, the need of mental health counseling, hopefully all that stigmatism and the negativity would just go away and people realize, you know, youngsters from middle school and elementary school and high schoolers, they're talking about anxiety and depression. And then of course, our veterans and our families that are suffering from financial losses or job losses. Everybody has a reason that they need to really put their mindset and their mental health in a good place. And that's why we feel it is so important that we start offering this service on our campus full time. Well, there's no um, better answer than what is going to be found among the Word of God and and believers that believe in that Word than uh, that group. So we're thankful that you're leading the way on this. Nina, it has been a real delight to have you here. Give us your website one more time. TheSharingCenter.org thesharingcenter.org, and that date for the grand reopening of the Oasis is June 29th, right? Correct, at 10 a.m. And for the gay lot, if listeners would like to sponsor a table or buy individual tickets, you can also do that at thesharingcenter.org. It's going to be fun, and can't wait to be at these events that are coming up. (laughs) Nina Young, my guest today, it's always great to have the Sharing Center on the program. Thank you, Nina, and friends, thanks for being with me as well. We'll see you next time right here on The Shepherd.